You're listening to the MC Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture, coming to you from the campus of Mississippi College in Clinton, Mississippi. I mean, unusual repertoire and courage, which is why we also went with the Zemlinsky over something more w- standard. The thing is, what they want is you to sing well. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, if you've seen any of the posts about Bach commentary, yes. uh, singing Bach is great if you sing Bach well. Yeah. But singing Bach as some extra piece that's my thing, is like, not a good idea. It also said, and I think technically the MC graduate recital requires this too that you have three distinct separate periods there is no requirement written about any graduate perfect recital well, which would, is great for me because that would, means i don't have to sing french this would just be nec no, no the lecture recital can be anything yeah. no no but i mean when Svivak and i were picking out my rep last semester she was like basically just saying i'm glad there's not a specific requirement because I'm glad that we don't have to do something just to check a box. Like, yeah, you know, like well, I really like singing German. I think I sing better in German than yeah. I do French. So, why yeah, I why not German? just do German? I, you know, I've seen so many different iterations of res- academic degree recitals mm-hmm. over the years. Like every school that I've ever been at does them differently. Yeah, yeah. You know, like my very f- my undergraduate school, which is the same school as my doctorate. At the time, they actually changed this a little bit while I was there, and it very well may be different now. I don't know, but they were very specific that the senior like vocal performance recital had to have four languages. It had to have four time periods, meaning like at that point, Baroque, classical, yeah. romantic, and and mm-hmm. and contemporary. Music well. well, and they also had that requirement for like at least like the first doctoral recital. Like one doctoral recital had to be like of that kind of more, I mm-hmm. guess, quote unquote, traditional voice recital. And then you had the freedom to do basically whatever you wanted. Yeah. Um, that that made sense programmatically. You know, yeah. if you had a research interest or if you had a you know whatever. I mean, I get the like. Exposing I get the idea of that, but at the same time, like as a if professional, you re- like you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna sing style like style you're not gonna sing something that you don't that you sing just well don't, that your voice is just not well suited to. Yeah, I mean, I think it came out of the of the of the sort of around the nineteen I'm gonna say sixties, which is when the DMA sort of was created in this country. It was around then that we went through this whole blooming of pedagogy and this idea, honestly, that in order to train our singers well, they had to be able to do everything. Mm-hmm. But that in that school of thinking meant you had to be able to sing Baroque music, classical music, romantic music, and contemporary classical Western vocal music yeah. in at least Italian, Spanish, or Italian, English, French, Spanish and, French, French, and German, <laughs> and probably a fifth language if we're talking about the doctoral level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, whether that's Spanish or Russian, Russian. or Czech or, 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 or what have you. Um, I, you know... I, I, at my master's school, uh, where I did my master's, their doctoral students had to do a chamber recital. Like, mm-hmm. they had the requirement that one of their 
um, recitals had to be a chamber recital. WVU, when I was there, they had the option that you could work in a chamber recital. Yeah. What I never understood was that the chamber recitals always counted for less academic degree credits. And that never made any any sense to me along the same veins of a lecture recital being for less credits because to me any chamber recital or lecture recital are always more work than just a standard recital particularly if the standard recital doesn't require four languages and four time periods mm. like if it can just be a repertoire of that that you're more comfortable singing and learning oh yeah that is much easier to put 50 to 60 minutes of together than re- heavily researching something and singing it or or the worst part of the chamber thing organizing people like I, well, like when those things started and I'm, i again i think i'm going back to the 60s ish say 50s through 70s I, everybody had more time apparently <laughs> Because having led people through doctoral chamber recitals at my last job, the time organization of just scheduling the recital hearing. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally The true. performers and fact, are you kidding me? I mean, it was like, it was like pulling uh, the sword out of the stone <laughs> to find a hearing time mm-hmm. um that that would that one always conf- and and then it was less credit i mean that that one yeah you've put all this work in for something that like you're just not now i will say at wvu we were very clear with our singers about this on the chamber recital if they chose to do it they could use music and yeah, i will nice. say i will say just as a i don't know that we've talked about this on the podcast i be- i am a strong proponent of singers using music under three specific scenarios one, chamber music. Because there's too much risk involved of a string quartet who's got music, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I, the singer, just get lost, and I'll, I'll reference this back to a work that I've done. If I'm doing Vaughn Williams on Wenlock Edge, and we're in the middle of Breeden Hill, that fourth mm-hmm. movement is eight minutes long, mm-hmm. and half of the movement is essentially... Uh, a double minor seven chord on top of itself. This A minor seven, <laughs> E minor seven, just so replicating. So no finding yourself. Yeah. Exactly. And then you just sing essentially what amounts to a folk song melody over that. Yeah. yeah. If you get lost you're in done. that, you're gone. Yeah. I mean, there's so chamber music. I'm a big proponent of people using music. I personally don't think even and and this goes against our policies here. It also goes against Nats, but I'm going to say it because it's this is our podcast, Ooh, and so I'm just going to say it. He's going out there. I don't believe that we should require our singers to use music to sing oratorio arias. We should or shouldn't? Should we should we should we should use music? I don't think we should require them to memorize it. Oh, because like professional, like if you when go would out- you ever sing Messiah? I mean, okay, granted, maybe if it's part one, y- you know, you probably. Especially if you, if if like Messiah is a regular part of your like, I could sing Comfort in Every Valley still. I haven't done a Messiah probably in six seasons now, but I could still stand up and sing Comfort in Every Valley from memory. Would I want to do a whole Messiah from memory? No, absolutely not. And you know, and let alone a lesser known oratorio, even the little Schubert Mass in G that I've done four times, but I've done it like so spread out over my life that I never remember how it goes. Yeah. Um. 
so I'm a big fan of people using music for oratorio, chamber music, and then the one other one I would definitely say, I do think that there are certain there's certain repertoire from the 20th and 21st centuries that are so difficult mm-hmm. that it's and I'm thinking of works like Luciano Berio, uh, certain works by even Schoenberg or or you know um, some expressionists. Um, you know, concert work of Stravinsky. Like uh, one of the things I would really like to do that we've actually talked about maybe trying to mount on the chamber series here or something is I would really like to sing In Memoriam Dylan Thomas of Stravinsky, mm. um, which is for tenor and trombone octet. Um, Nifty. And I, I would, I'd really like to, I'd really like to do it at some point. Um, uh, I like the poetry. Um, is that do not go gentle? Mm-hmm, it has That's that so in fun. it and, and, and all that. It, it's a great piece. I, th- I think I've, I couldn't like if I heard it I wouldn't I don't know that I'd recognize it but I'm pretty sure I've listened to it before either for like for maybe Dr. Williams post-tonal oh, yeah. class yeah probably Sounds for right. a post-tonal class yeah. it's a it's a typical piece that you'd see in a yeah. in some kind of post-tonal theory class yeah, or, or history class or something like that but like that I would never want to sing without a score in front of me mm-hmm. I mean I just you know even when I've done something like Schubert's Auf dem Strom which is fairly repetitive and strophic but still is just singer, French horn, and piano. I just, uh, I, I get real anxious when yeah, not when everybody else has a score and I don't. Yeah. It also sort of looks weird to me then. Like, yeah, like, why like, are you... Why are you the pretentious without... singer? Yeah, everybody <laughs> else better follow me if I go somewhere else. Right. Yeah, yeah which is sort of... Like I know you have your music, but just disregard it because I'm probably if I mess up, you better come speed with me. Up. Or maybe right. skip this measure. <laughs> Who knows? Right. I did the f- you know, we so that w- that one faculty recital I gave where I did the Vaughn Williams and then we also did my uh viola colleague and I and my our pian our collaborative artist, pianist, um, we did the Vaughn Williams four hymns for tenor viola and I think he originally wrote it for organ. But we did it with piano, um, uh, and we used music for we all used music for those as mm-hmm. a, as well. Just because I I enjoy performing chamber music, you know. I took a chamber music class. Dr- we never talked about this on the podcast. Mm-mm. I took a chamber music class during my doctoral degree because I thought it would be interesting. Because I really felt like I don't know anything about chamber music, mm-hmm. and it fit my weird schedule that I had because I was know. working full time and going to school full time and the graduate assistant stuff and whatever. But it fit my schedule. It was probably at like 8 o'clock in the morning or something because that's why I could do it. Um, Lovely. Anyway, I walked in to the first day of class. was taught by one of our musicology faculty, not by one of the instrumental faculty. And he said, well, I see we have a singer with us. Like it was the rest of it was pianists. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was like me and pianists. Pianists play a lot of chamber music. I mean, yeah. like that a lot, right. core part of their classical repertoires. Uh, anyway, um, he said, well, I just need you to know you're welcome to stay in here, but I have a core belief that no vocal music is chamber music. <laughs> and oh. I was like, uh, oh, oh, so we're not going to talk. So he's like, so we're not going to talk about any vocal chamber music. Because it's not chamber music. Well, his him. theory, he actually cited the textbook author, and I don't think, I think I got rid of the book at this point. I probably gave it to someone, like a pianist or something. He used a book by a guy named, I want to say it was John Bannon, I think was the the author's name. And like his 
I think the name of the book, sort of provocative, just to sell more copies, I'm sure, was Intimate Music. Oh, of course. Um, and I, I think that was the name of the book, and I think that was the author's name. But uh, like one of the first statements the author makes in the book is that no vocal music is chamber music because as soon as you introduce words, that's more important. Hmm. Huh. And I was like, wait. So now, of course, me here in 2019 also like thinks back to that. And like I'm thinking, yes, but now we can't call pianists accompanists. We have to call them collaborative artists because the piano is equal weight. But John Bannon just told you all in his book in 1997 or whenever he wrote that, that as soon as you have text, it elevates the singer to a, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know, just my, my personal opinion on like elevating the singer. I don't think it elevates the singer. It's more of just the words elevate everything because a huge part of being a collaborative sure. pianist would be that you're looking at the text to influence how you're pl- playing too so yeah well so what i did that semester was i actually wrote my term paper on the holy sonnets of john dunn which is just tenor and piano one of britain's i was still already in my britain yeah stuff at that point of course and um so i wrote it on the holy sonnets of john dunn and i went about trying to prove that the holy sonnets of john dunn despite just being voice and piano like we're chamber, chamber music. music. <laughs> so you say it in the class. <laughs> that they fit all of his qualifications in the textbook of chamber music, uh-huh. despite the, the fact that there were words. Huh. Interesting. Um, that oh. the piano and the and the words were so intertwined. Were you successful? Oh, yeah, he bought it. He actually loved the professor, loved the paper. Oh, well, there he, you go. He loved it. When I presented on it, he was like, no, I think you, you made a great argument. Yeah. You're like, thank you. I was like, oh, well. Okay. Give us a little pat on the back. No, no, yeah, he did. De- there were no pats in the back. <laughs> uh, pats yeah, on the did. pats in the I'm back. I'm not saying he patted you on the back. I'm saying you patted yourself on the back. No, nah, probably. Well, I pat myself on the back repeatedly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> 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 Leah has a very, I don't know, a look. <laughs> I was gonna say skeptical. I was like, that's not even skeptical. Knowing that's it. <laughs> no, but but we're getting we're getting close. Where we 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 definitely have some plans here going this year about recitals now and. Sarah, we're, we're working on Leah's and we're working on some getting some phenomena recorded next next week. We're going to go into the lab here and we're going to record some things next week and uh, get some plans laid out and Exciting stuff. and uh, get her all set. And and uh, Sarah's got her basic rep planned out and we're yeah, I just got to memorize it. We are uh, vocal fry is in busy land right now. All of us, I think. Yeah. I realized last night that the show opens in a week, week? and we I was like, wait a minute. I'm sorry, I couldn't A, a week from that. yesterday. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, when I did saw, that happen? I, I think it's I because like, nope. we haven't really had much, at least I haven't, I haven't had rehearsal this week so yet so far, like Same. just right. the way mine worked out. Um, Same. I don't think so. anybody did. There was one Monday, and then there's one today. Oh, yeah, okay, so because of the nature of the cabaret style the show we're doing, um... There hasn't actually been a lot of rehearsal, which is very strange for a penultimate week. But I will tell you, uh, just an update on the show. The lights are set. Yay! Yay. And the lights are all fixed. Yay! Uh, yeah, there was one that wouldn't come on. It's what all, all It's all. Do done. you know what instruments we're going to have for the band? Yeah. Uh, yes, I do. Um, Dr. Williams is playing bass. Okay. And obviously, Mr. Kemp is playing the lead piano book and, and music directing. That makes sense. Um, uh, Doctor Rushing is playing a second keyboard book where he's playing a lot of like the synth Doesn't parts. Doesn't he play the synth? Yeah. 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 Any guitar licks are actually happening in that. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Um, uh, Mr. Kemp's gone to 
great extents to write out some parts. Oh. Yeah, he's done a lot. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Heindel is uh, playing drums. Oh, okay. Cool. So we're going to have some percussion. Yeah, Woo! yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, there, cool. I do not believe, I don't remember now. I don't believe we hired an auxiliary percussionist. I don't think. Okay. No, I mean. Um, yeah. In fact, it may just be all just faculty. Be the four of them. Is that right? I mean, it may very well be right that it's just the four of them. I mean, that's. I think basic. that's more than yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, it'll be so, fun. So it'll this, it'll. And I mean, the synth make. I mean, that just makes sense. That's just. Yeah, well, we weren't going to hire strings well, for like the five numbers that might have needed my, strings. Well, and especially for a for performance that we can't technically charge admission for. Correct. We were also trying to conserve budget. Yeah, and, that, and I, think, totally I, mean, that, I think that's totally fine. And all of this stuff. So, yeah. you know. But yes, we do. So, if you are in Clinton, Mississippi, or Mississippi or, in general. Yeah, just if you can drive here for the night. February 21, 22, 23, we will be up at 7.30. That it's is thir- seven. 7. 7. Yes, yeah. you told the president 7.30. Excuse me, it is 7. He's going to come in late and look he's, like a fool. Oh, my fool. gosh, he's going to miss Seasons of Love. Um, he's going to feel so... So, anyway, <laughs> that's Thursday, Friday, Saturday at 7, and then Sunday the 24th at 3. three. That you did get right. Okay. Maybe he'll come Sunday and be there <laughs> at the right time. So, the show opens this week, and uh, we will be happy to do it and if you would yeah. like to bring a donation to mc music theater and opera you uh can. come with your checkbook and or cash, or cash. Not we're gonna uh, i suppose that? we would accept a money order yeah. as what well uh we a can we, we cannot Gosh. accept venmo <laughs> Don't you we, we should. should that's what that's how you get them yeah. um venmo's where it's at yeah. so people will be like i mean everybody has their phones yeah yeah right so Anyway, Apple Pay. We're looking forward to that uh, going up. Yeah. Well, and like, I think part of what makes it seem so weird that we're already here is that there have there's only been really that one rehearsal. Yeah, but since every number, but since it's not double cast, I mean that just makes sense. I mean, yeah, yeah. What and everything it went really really well. well. (laughs) Sure. Are we doing a run through tomorrow? No. No, tomorrow is just tomorrow's some big Sunday is lo- is a lot of Oh wait, what's tomorrow? Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Sunday's a run through. Sunday's yes, a run-through. I think Saturday there was just too much maybe that too many people too couldn't many people. be there or something. And I think Saturday is the only day that like some of the bigger numbers like anything goes and pandemonium could like get in that rehearsal time. One last rehearsal. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, some of the dance numbers. We're only doing sure. what four dance numbers really sort of something like that. I mean, or three. Like that. Um, but but those definitely need to but some Sunday time on their feet. Sunday is our tech rehearsal. Yeah. Right. So Sunday will be good because we'll the lights, mics. the light, we'll have mics. The lights are done. We'll have the. Will the band be there? No. Interesting. No, because the then our dress rehearsal is the Tuesday. band. We will only have on Tuesday. All right, everybody the, better be ready. The for that. band is meeting for the first time on Monday night. Okay. Um, so they're doing a big, big rehearsal Monday. Yeah. yeah. Then Tuesday will be their second time through the show. Woo-hoo. And uh, Thursday will be their third. Thursday's really our final dress rehearsal, even though it's In open to the sense. public. But also, we will be, we'll be together. We're ready for it. 
anyway so that's uh it's gonna be crazy our final production of the year and then we can move on to recital season and mm. paper writing season and no. uh you know no. all this kind of uh all this kind of thing i uh am going to the university of alabama on march 20th and 21st so if you happen to be in tuscaloosa or in alabama Come see the Pedagogy Capstone Series. Fancy. Hosted by Susan Williams at the University of Alabama, uh, where I will be presenting two talks, one on practical studio technology. I know everyone is shocked. I know. Never heard you talk about that before. And one on laryngeal manipulation in singing warm-up preliminary findings. So you just have to have um, your whole presentation ready for then. <laughs> Correct. Oh, and you thought I thought you had till June. Um, and so uh, those, and then I'm also giving a master class. So those are the oh, those are the three things that are happening. Actually, that same week is the week that Ken is on campus. Yes, that'll be a big week. So that will be a big week. Uh, next oh, Thursday. Jury also has that week. What is that? My jury is that yes, week. Yes. So it's you. Ken's here Monday. Leah's jury is Tuesday. I'm in Alabama Wednesday, Thursday. And then I'm probably going to go to New Orleans for a music festival on Friday. Fantastic. I guess we'll have a guest host that day. Sarah will just be here. And uh, then the next, uh, neither of you are going to Nats, are you? I was going to. Oh, you are going to go to Nats. Oh, I mean, great. I hadn't talked to anyone, but I don't know why I wouldn't. Oh, great. Okay, perfect. I don't. I, I assume I will. Great. Awesome. Ooh. I didn't. I, I wasn't sure if you were going to go or not. I don't know why. It's in Oxford, right? Yeah. Yeah, I have a free place to stay there. It is, I think, the week before, the weekend before my um, recital jury, so that's a little meh. But I yes, mean, it is. Ideally, at that point, everything should be prepared. Well, so you should have plenty of repertoire. That's the yeah. That's the other thing is like I've got plenty of rep to pick from, especially since I didn't go to regional nats in the fall. Like, right? I, I have plenty of music to pick from. I'm not right. gonna have to. Hey, like speaking of which, something you should think about very seriously for next academic year. Yeah, is doing natsa. Okay. Uh, yeah, I wondered when I that would be particularly I'd start because since at. you'll also be maybe even be considering graduate school auditions yeah. or not or whatever. Because you'll be thinking about rep and still studying and still whatever, you should really consider doing NATSA. NATSA. All right. Yeah, that makes it sense. It would be a good year to get your feet wet in, in trying Start out NATSA. Yeah, that would be good. Okay. Okay. That's just put that in the back of your file that and Sarah Yeah, I need to go land. ahead and like... Dropbox it. I'm, I'm going to have to like write it down somewhere and like put like a reminder like on a calendar because what happens so often is I have these things that I'm like yeah that's something I need to start thinking about and then I look and the deadlines are so much earlier yes. than you expect well it's like young artist pro all the big young artist program applications Their are deadlines due in are August over by, yeah yeah I thought honestly like I thought it was October no they're all due in August because I remember yeah and it's August and so in October I went and looked and I was like Oh. Graduate school applications are all due December first. <laughs> that I know, uh, but the the young artist programs they they caught me off guard, and so at this point, because then I was just like, well, forget this. But, but specifically, while you have a bunch of weird rep together, NATSA requires some very. If you on the podcast, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I am talking about the NATS Artist Award. 
um, which is uh, Nat's sort of biggest classical competition. It um, has the largest prize. It's a $10,000 prize plus a recital at the 92nd Street Y. That's cool. Um, And, uh, but it's, it's, um, I think the age limit, you have to be studying with a Nat's teacher to do it. I want to say the age limit is 34. It might be 32. It might be 35. I, I don't think remember. I 34 because I feel like Dr. Gunn made it through on her like last year of eligibility. Of eligibility. That's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, so it's just, I think, I, I've had a student um, who was the Eastern Region runner up. He didn't make it to the national finals. Um, but yeah, Josh, but that's still cool. he was the Eastern Region. He was the, I, I think there were. I've told you this story before, but not in the podcast. There were two judges who I think wanted to move him on and one who thought this other woman had been the winner. Mm. And I couldn't tell what any of her notes were in her coloratura. But she still but she sang louder. And so uh, there you have it. You know, Josh Josh sang a beautiful Mein Zane and Mein Vein in that night from uh, Pierros Tanzlied from Die Todestadt. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm not bitter. Um Clearly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it only ha- Natsa only happens every other year. It does not okay. happen every year. So um okay. so tw- so next season, next academic year will be a Natsa year. Oh, perfect. It's like um, but that application is probably due early. That that's the thing. I need to look at that so I don't miss it. And it, like I said, like the requi- like I think it requires like a 17th century Italian aria, something like that. Like so, like there's some, like I said, there's some, there's some very specific. 17. I know it requires art song composed after 1950. Got plenty of those. I have so many art songs composed after 1950. So I mean, like that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Th- but there, there are some very specific. Obviously, requires an aria. Um, I'm all about ours. I'm gonna be real. This is probably a very singery thing to say. If I could just like litter my recital with arias, I would 100 percent do that. Well, see, that's how I am too. But, I would. But my wife is like the anti aria person. I know. She's like, I think we should really try to limit it to two. And I'm like, but I could put five. Oh, she would prefer you to have none. I know. She limited me to two. She, I mean, because when she recitals, it is art song. I would, I would love to just go out and be like, okay, I'm gonna start with this aria, move on to um this aria, and then maybe this aria, maybe an art song here. Yeah. And then an aria. I will say that I, I think that I think an aria, maybe two, is okay. I think more than that is overkill. Which is why I'm doing two. Um, okay. I'm I'm aware that it's just a like that would be very self indulgent of me. Yeah, particularly if some of your songs were like Han. <laughs> no, my songs. Are, none of my songs are Han. That would be a little bit over indulgent. I love Han. I say that. Don't, of don't co- we know? Wrong. Obviously, we know. Love it. We're love n- it. no one. No one is. No one was wondering. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Nobody cares. I get it. It's fine. So this week. Big thing happening this Thursday, beyond the show opening, but we will <laughs> Skype oh, in huh. acoustics oh, no. with, <laughs> with, with Dr. Ian Howell. Oh, yeah. 
on opening night of the show, we will have a wonderful Skype session. Not gonna be a sad little stressful. We have read reread his dissertation and talked about it. We have read a new writing piece that he has written, yep. and we have read, of course, his sort of landmark necessary roughness in the vocal pedagogy. Cl- did I say that right? Necessary roughness in the voice pedagogy if classroom. You don't know. <laughs> uh, so Dr. Hal will be skyping in with us. Uh, Sarah, I'm interested. He posed a question to me yesterday. Oh dear. Um, of this time what did i learn that was new like what made me what made everything more clear so since since this is your second time like through the dissertation i'll ask it to you here on the podcast at this point what became more clear to you this time okay well first before i even address that i just want to say that i was in i was baffled The, the ferrets are just barely even there hashtag ferret awareness i thought I just distinctly remembered the ferrets being such an integral part of that. And then I was reading and I was reading and I was like, I've got to be almost to the ferrets. And then I was at the ferrets and then I was gone. And I just kept going. It's like two sentences. It was like two sentences. And And yet I remember hearing about it at the time that you guys all were in that class. Because I think that was my year off or something. I mean, honestly. Like I just remember you and like Phoebe and Michael. and The first time I read it, I mean... That was all so, so new to me. Like, I was in my undergrad. I was just taking acoustics because I, I did know I liked pedagogy and didn't think I was going to be here to, to ever take it again. Ha, ha, ha. Joke was on me. Um, and look how far down the rabbit hole right? you've gone. And honestly, the first time around, like, I don't know. I didn't understand much of it. I kind of got the idea that the fundamental sounded like, ooh, and just these little things. I've always kind of, it's weird. This is an approach I got from reading Matilda as a child. When reading something where it's really like over your head. You don't, what? What? I don't know. Matilda? It is a a wonderful child's book. You've totally Made into a wonderful movie. I I don't even have time to explain to you. There is, and the musical is darling and clever. Every bit of this conversation I am lost, is lost on me. The thing, I'm the sorry. thing I got. I from, apologize that I've offended you. I, I don't I even have time to explain to you the wonder of Matilda. Yeah. But like the thing I got, one of the big things that actually the librarian told her, blah blah blah, was like in these books where she just didn't know all the words or like didn't get the concepts because she's a child genius who's reading Great Expectations and stuff, and she's like, I don't always know what they mean. So she's someone like, wrote a book about you. <laughs> no. Yes. She no. also I did also try to read A Tale of Two Cities telepathic. in second grade. She also had... Um, oh. As a child, if you think I didn't, like when I was in class board, I was like, maybe this is the time oh, we I all can did. make that pencil move. Yeah. But that's beside the point. Her idea was that you would just let the words kind of wash that's over not, you. That's telekinetic, not telepathic. What? Right, right, right. Whatever, whatever. She did whatever, it all. Whatever. whatever anyway. Matilda was the bomb. She was the bomb. But like her idea was that you would let the words just kind of wash over you and you just kind of like take it in and so that was kind of my approach with the dissertation the first time was i'm reading this i'm grabbing on to the few things i get and i just let a lot of it just kind of wash over me begin to familiarize myself with the words and this temporal flux spectrotemporal flux yes oh <laughs> look out now i texted her that i was reading and i was like leah i know and then i was she and then i was reading it again the next day and like when i got back to that word because <laughs> the first time i read it i was like half asleep and i just knew i needed to do it like because for class although we didn't even talk about it that day that day i was a little salty because i had spent all day reading um, it, it and fine. so I, and so the children. other day i was like i should probably 
look through this again because I know that like the first time I didn't, I was asleep. And yeah, yeah, because she texted me one day and was like, I'm pretty sure he's making up some of these words. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this sounds like something. Did you hear that, Dr. Howell? You are making up words. (laughs) I was like, this sounds like something out of a sci-fi show. This can't be real. I know it is, but it didn't feel like it. it. Do we know? Can we know? I was more just surprised at how Only if you heard it. The second go round, (laughs) I just understood and I think, weirdly enough, it wasn't so much the dissertation itself. It was the Necessary Roughness article you talked about yeah. that helped me understand the dissertation yep. more. Me too. And just having been in it and listening to it more. It was there it is. Well, that's what, okay, so I was having, I actually just yesterday was having like a very philosophical existential debate in my brain as I as I do. and I, then I, But I'm usually like, I don't know. Then I don't ever yeah. actually share it with anyone. Just talking about like is like academic subjects that we consider to be like just super difficult and um, just out there and over like most people's heads. Like, are they really that difficult or are they just not accessible? Well, they're so, do you know what I mean? Like, because as I was reading the dissertation and like, obviously for a dissertation, there's so much information, but like you were saying, I feel like a lot of the main points that we need to get are then said in a more concise way and that's not that's I mean, why that's i not, point well, people to my journal of singing yeah, article and, and that's not, not my dissertation. anything about i mean that's not just something that dr howell did that's what you're i mean you're just required well, right to do that for any kind of academic thing and, and stuff i'm like it's not that this is all that complicated it's just that so much of it is written in this highly academic language well or, or just in I mean, we've always, I mean, I've always thought about like papers. Part of the reason I despise writing papers, even though I've, I mean, I'm okay at it. Like I'm, I, it's just, I'm nothing if not concise. Like I could say what I really need to say in a much more concise and in a much more, um, just accessible colloquial way that I think makes more sense. Well, yeah. that's because you're concerned about application, and yeah. and, and so is Doctor Howell. It's also just and I think you see that more in the article. Yeah, you do, and also just being around. I don't know. I feel like the dissertation, it's never what I would introduce to someone first. Yeah. Well, and I think that's also no. just partly my personality. Like I'm one of my favorite authors is Vonnegut. You know, like sure. it's not. There's nothing flowery. Sure. You know, like I he love just some flowery writers. Yeah, see, I'm not. Oh, I can't stand it. If I never hear the name Nathaniel Hawthorne, oh my again, gosh, I was about to say I love him. I that, that was the most bane I of my existence in high school. The was reading the Scarlet Letter. letter. I oh my the Scarlet gosh. Letter. No. See, I love me in the face. Slaughterhouse Five. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I've I never totally, read that. I totally appreciate that. I've never um, read that. What I will say. Cat's cradle, so here's here's what I would say about rereading the dissertation. This is probably the third time I've read it. I think that I would add two layers on top of like of understanding. One, I think you have to hear the phenomenon. Which is yeah, why for sure. I yes, think I think I the listen listening to, to the first. examples and then watching even his Dr. Howell's presentations that he has on YouTube. Yeah, the one on absolute spectral tone color and yes. the one on yeah. local I spectral mean, if coherence. I hadn't seen all the stuff that we do in class, and I was reading that, I'd be like, 
Right. What, what? But yeah, then, what is this crazy so man I think about? hearing it is one helps one level of understanding. Okay. Yes. So there's there's reading for it. sure. Yeah. Then there's hearing it. But I, I said this to him last night. I think there's another layer. I think the other layer is then, and this is really I I, I was I I don't think I articulated this very well to him last night, but I, there was the layer of me being able to model the phenomenon myself in Mata. Once I could make Mata do all the things at different vowels and different noises and different and just just the harmonics and the roughness and the whatever, all of a sudden that for me added a layer of oh because i i guess because i'm such a comfortable mata user and i understand what's happening to the vocal tract that for me then was making my brain go oh i know how to apply these concepts even now better to a singer yeah see, because i think the impact of roughness particularly on registration mm -hmm. is like everything yeah yeah i would actually it's funny you say that i was like after reading any stuff, I was showing Jamie it on Voce Vista because I'm more comfortable with Voce Vista. But still, I was like, yeah, yeah, because I'm, I'm not going to make him read any of the articles, but I can show him how his fundamental sounds like ooh and how these different areas of his voice, when I isolate them, sound like these different vowels. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it was a weird moment. I was like, whoa, I can show you. That helped. We oh. also enjoyed the sine wave yesterday. Me shooting the sine wave I into my did. vocal tract. And, but uh, to me, that almost like... That was mm, just cool. I feel like, is that not... I mean, isn't that the same concept as like... Yeah, a resonance, a vocal tract resonance. We were bringing out the vocal tract oh, resonance. That's not what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. She's going somewhere else. <laughs> like when you... If you're like at your house and you want to listen to music, but you don't have a speaker. You and so you put your bowl. phone in yes. like a cup or a bowl. Except... So I guess I just wasn't like except, shocked. I was like, yeah, of course. Except the important thing to that to realize was that depending on the frequency of the sine wave, mm -hmm. it only got boosted... When my vocal tract came into resonance yeah. with the absolute spectral tone color, the frequency. Yeah. yeah. So that that that's what mattered. That mm -hmm. was the takeaway. Yeah. I just back to your original question. I don't think it was that like any one thing maybe made me honestly, I just understood it the whole all thing. So much more. Yeah. Um, and that was just a really nice thing to like come back to this piece after two years and be like, oh my gosh, I actually am kind of getting what you're saying that's really what i feel like now. all of the stuff that just as i'm kind of hearing it for the first time it's like you know how like if your skin is really dry and you try to just put some lotion on it, it doesn't work. really help like yeah. unless you actually get rid of some of the dead skin yeah then it has to actually soak in <laughs> like i feel like right now it's all just like sitting on the on the surface yeah and i want it I want it <laughs> to be well, like, like I want second, to absorb it. You the know, second and third times are is when this information really starts becoming. And it's interesting. I think that's why it's so difficult doing whether it's even at an academic conference, like a paper, especially in a short time, whether that's yeah. eight minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, um, getting up, getting any of this across. Or whether it's that you even are somewhere at a symposium and you have an hour or even 90 minutes. You have I, to I, pick a point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 
to think as I think the bigger problem is as an attendee, you think, oh well, I'm gonna have this this thing to take home with me. And you- I could show you a method of breathing, and you could take it home with you. Yeah. But a, a whole concept, a whole way of thinking, not so much. Yeah. Right, and that's the thing is... It's more of just like a... I think as the voice community your wakes up to absolute spectral tone color and to auditory roughness particularly, which, by the way, as we saw in Sundberg in Science of the Singing Voice 1980, oh, yeah. he's talking about roughness in the, in the 1980s. It's, it's just I mean, Sundberg's been trying people... to convince us about flow phonation, I'm telling you, since the 70s. Yeah. It's uh, nuts. Um, but, and I still don't think we did. It, it, again, it's like how it's like it's taken us decades to get to the point of the dissemination of this information. But I think with the absolute spectral tone color, that's a new thing. That's, yeah, that's Dr. Howell's take work. But the, the the thing is, I think that I've never had anything that has clarified registration as much for me as these concepts. In fact. I had come to a point a few years back where I was sort of, and I think both of you felt, at least you, Sarah, I've sort of had taken registration a little out of the class because I was fine to talk about phonational modes, phonation modes, meaning, and I don't mean onset, offset, I mean mode one, mode two, mode three, but I have problems with that model in general. And I was fine to talk about what we would expect in the timbre of a range in terms of like Bozeman's open timbre, close timbre, you know, whatever. Um, And then talk about that in coordination with modes, but that's not a really good picture at registration. But I'm telling you, I think that this material does actually give us particularly, and I mean, again, this is not Perna's idea. This is Dr. Howell's idea, particularly in treble voices. I was going to say, like, that's one thing I do love about the absolute spectral tone color is I feel like it gives me such a better view into my own voice as a treble singer Mm -hmm. because not even registration, like the timbre, like I can look at a spectrogram and be like, okay, because I have these peaks and this points of my voice, that's bringing out these ahs and o's and the warmth in my voice. I see it there and the E and I can see like where maybe it needs to balance where like if I think my voice is sounding, I don't know. It's just, it gives me a more, I feel like complete picture of my voice. And because of where we as trouble singers sing, I don't like having those two words so close together in a (laughs) sentence. So anyway, because of that, it, I think it is so much more important for us because, yeah. like, you're a guy. You have so many other harmonics that are being brought out yeah. in these other and in well, and, and, specifically. The and the fickle glottal, the thicker glottal closure is bringing out higher energy anyway. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of which, just a caveat on all this, based on the project that Sarah's currently working on, Vocal Fry just wants to encourage anyone out there: if you are looking at a spectrogram, please put the frequency at least up to 10k if not oh, 15. Yeah, we've been If you have so a much. mic that will pick up above 10,000 hertz and we will admit also this is another point we'd like to say not all mics are going to pick that up. Yeah. Not all microphones are made the same and not all room acoustics are made the same. No. As we found out from measuring things in my studio and in our recital hall. It was vastly different. It was vastly different. So not just because I felt that I was singing differently. She's measuring me, by the way. I am. But, but we would like to say, put your spectrograms up to 20K 
Well, there was just so much. Get a mic that can measure high, that preferably has a flat frequency response. Yeah. And I now have fully come to my desperate need to get an Earthworks and have mm. my really good mic. Good mic-er. luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I know, it's I know. It's, Every time we're recording, he's like, "This would, you know, it would make this great." <laughs> Earthworks. I, I, I do know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so they've heard me talk. I'll about let you that know when I come into some money. <laughs> um, okay, we, we we have a very short amount of time to get to some pop culture stuff for this week. Yeah. What a week it has been. Uh, let's just say of the obvious first, and that is that the end game stuff is. Just all, it's all it, it's out. in full swing. I it also want to say, boo, you nerdist people, basically oh. claiming <laughs> that some Reddit fan theory now made the uh, internet go crazy because uh-huh. everybody's hidden in the Soulverse. What? He's very. He's been upset. Nick Perna has so been upset. saying that they're all hidden in the Soulverse for a while since the day the movie the first came out. Literally to the point that when you told me like everyone's correct, I was like, I thought this was just like accepted. I didn't even realize that the whole internet wasn't already just like, yeah, this is totally a thing. Oh my goodness gracious. So that's a thing. Secondly, if you have not yet listened, as you know, we're big fans of Doctor Who. Yes, we are. And if you have not yet listened, and we're also friends of podcasts. We also love podcasts. And if you've... Lee is in general skeptical of all this, um, and she's eating breakfast. Um, but uh, speaking of breakfast, if you speaking of breakfast, if you have not yet listened to David Tennant does a podcast with, it's delightful. Highly recommended. Delightful. Uh, warning, bit of foul language. Oh yeah, especially the Whoopi Goldberg one. I was thinking the Olivia Coleman. Olivia oh, Coleman curses like a true. trucker in that episode. But you can't understand but they it. But say well. it so nicely. <laughs> <And> British. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. those British accents—I uh, just don't even notice. I'm but like, anyway, well, yeah, on the, there's only three episodes, and this last week's that dropped was with yes. the tenth Doctor interviewing the thirteenth Doctor. Of course, Jody Tennant Whittaker. and Jodie Whittaker were on Broadchurch together, and so they are friends, obviously. Um, yeah. But what happened this week on the podcast? Somehow they must have known. Was that they recorded in the morning? And it just—they must have channeled the spirit of Vocal Fry. Yeah, we're just putting it out there so because hard. David Tennant asked Jodie Whittaker what she what had for breakfast. Yeah, what she had for breakfast, which sadly was just coffee. Poor her. Yes. That's rough. But DT shared his. Yeah, his was weird. Pr- Greek like, yogurt, granola, and some prunes. Prunes, what? What? I mean, what? more power to you, but prunes, I mean, the what? dude is proper skinny, so I he mean... He is, really. Which is funny, they then go on to talk about that sort of thing, like body image expectations for different celebrities, blah, right. blah, blah. Well, anyway. Yeah. It's good. I made Austin start watching Lost. Oh, he has not watched Lost. We finished the first season last night. He's oh, obsessed fan- with it. He loves ju- it so So you much. just found the hatch. <laughs> Fantastic. Great memories. He loves it so much. Great memories. Just just great memories of that. I'm hardcore binging Voltron in my world. Sarah is finally watching Voltron. I'm all in. Have you finished season one? Yes. Wasn't it great? Yes. I mean, it's bad. So I was at the episode today. Oh, just wait. I'm telling you. With the tree people who like they used to be metalworking, oh, mm-hmm. but now the tree. I'm watching it and Jamie walks in and he goes, that's pretty dark for a kid's show. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. wait. I only watched the because good ones. Because the Lotor. Have, have you met Prince Lotor yet? No. I just finished the episode with... I'm in the one right now where um, 
what's his name? Zarkon uh-huh. keeps tracking them through the wormholes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's where I'm. The Zarkon or the um the Lotor story arc, I think for the whole series, is amazing. Yeah, I I'm very much enjoying this show. It's good because like. It's a kid's show. So on the one hand, I know nothing too too terrible will probably happen. I don't know. like I And I can do things. It's also, while it's very involved and has a great storyline, great plot, all this stuff. The animation is incredible. It really is. I am also able to like get some other things accomplished. Well, that's what I like. I like to have Netflix sure, on so that yeah. I can like, and there's get some al- other stuff done. And there's at least one episode in every season that's just stupid and ridiculous. Yes. And like escapist. Yes, which the, is like, nice. Like the space mall. I don't think I've been to a space mall yet. No, with the cow. Where they went to in oh, season one. Oh, yeah, yeah, The yeah, space yeah. mall with the cow. Yeah. My kids loved it, though. They thought it was like... I mean, what are you going to do? Or like the one where they keep... I mean, there are elements in every episode with that, too. Like where they keep... Where Allura and What's-His-Face are stuck and they Pran. keep... Yeah, they keep going back through, and he keeps getting younger and the little mice also keep like devolving. I was like, yeah, that's funny. Um. Anyway, so that, that that's definitely fun stuff. It's a good show. Um... Yeah, we actually just finished Bosch last night. Uh, all the the last season of Bosch uh, it was is a cop show. It was, it, was, it was fine. It was it was it got better as it went. Uh, it wasn't nearly the the actual excellence of Bodyguard. Which Bodyguard was amazing. Whoa. Oh, oh man, I want to watch that. Friends. Oh no, you should watch Bodyguard. Oh yeah, you should watch Bodyguard for sure. I just like. So it's it's not a zero huge, time right it's now. It's like whoa. Yeah, you um, have to be able to sit down and like right. watch ugh. it. Ugh. Anyway, crazy. all right. Um, so Sarah, breakfast. Frittatas. Oh, still the frittata. I'm trying. I am trying to be healthy. I hate it, okay. but I am doing it. Very good. All right. Well, uh, any takeaways for this week? Any final thoughts going into the show? I don't know. One of my big discoveries this week is I have a horrible tendency to uh, kind of put stressful things off, like start tackling them. And what ends up happening is I get more and more stressed. And like I'm still accomplishing other things. Don't get me wrong. But like big things that need to be accomplished over time. And you get to this point where you're just like, I was a little ball of just panic and stress on Wednesday. And then finally, I made myself sit down and like start slog through it get a plan out for all of them and just even just getting a little started made my life seem so much more manageable and i feel like i don't know maybe we all do that a little i don't know procrastinators right that's me i i had that moment this week and i just want to like if you're just putting something off and you don't i don't know you don't want to start it because you're like oh this is gonna be so stressful oh this is gonna be so hard honestly the most stressful hard part might be that you're just putting it off that's not really a big philosophical statement. That's more of like no, a it life is. tip. Just sometimes just starting something is like wow, the hardest part. There you go. Anything you want to add to that? No. Wow, that was like it was like deep. It's not like that deep. It was just it's more of just sometimes just just sometimes right. you just got to start. Well, I have a meeting in 1 minute. Oh. Peace out, vocal fam. Bye.